If you're new here to the city because you're uh, embarking on a next era of university, I was trying to think of positive things to say about the city that I love. I love Glasgow. I'm glad you're here. Welcome. Welcome to the, the city. Um, I, as far as positive things that I was going to say, I kind of got to the point of uh, you, you don't have to worry about skin damage because of the, the, the uh, weather and... I, I kind of got stuff there, but there, there, there's, other, there's other great things. The architecture, I love the city. I've uh, been here for a long time. If, if you're new here, welcome. Glad you're here. Um, so we are, as a church, we are going through a study on the book of Revelation. Now, I know a lot of, uh, maybe, maybe you've never been through a study of the book of Revelation before. We've been doing this for several weeks. We started off looking at Jesus. The, the Chapter 1 of Revelation is this amazing um, glimpse of, of glorified Jesus. Jesus, how he is now, and, and, and his power. In his, in his divine splendor. It's, it's just an incredible chapter of this view of Jesus. And then in chapters 2 and 3, we looked at Jesus as he was um, amongst his seven churches, and he's writing them letters, and, and we find out Jesus, our king, is incredible. Our king is amazing and spectacular and powerful and good and all of that. And then and the churches aren't so much. Uh, and, and some of them are better than others, but, but so Jesus is, is talking to his churches, giving some corrections and encouragements. And then we hit chapter 4. Now, chapter 4, again, we're back in the throne room of God. And we see the ancient days, God the Father seated on the throne. And, and, and then there's the lightning and the thunder, and, and there's the um, emerald rainbow radiant God's presence. It's just an incredible image. And the, the living creatures are, are declaring, holy, 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 the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and is and is coming. And, and you, you just have this spectacular view of the worship of God the Father in the throne room. And then approaches the lion the lamb and it approaches the throne and it takes the scroll out of the hand of god the father we don't know what's on the scroll it's written on both sides there's seven seals it's perfectly sealed it's as sealed as as it's perfectly sealable to be sealed you get it it's seven seals and the lamb takes this and 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 there's worship that takes place in heaven about jesus the lamb of god who is worthy because he was he was slain and by his blood, he purchased people from every tongue and tribe and nation. And then last week, we looked at Jesus, the Lamb of God, starting to break the seven seals. And the first seal, the second seal, the third seal, the fourth seal, and, and that releases the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Apocalypse, apocalypse. And, and, and we, we saw that briefly. And then the fifth seal is broken, and that we get a view of the martyrs who are there under the altar and, and told to wait a little bit longer. And then the sixth seal is broken, which is basically this wrecking of, of heaven and earth. And then the seventh seal. And when the seventh seal is broken, heaven is silent. It just, it, what is going to happen? And, and there's this, this great, uh, has, and then we, then we find out that these, these uh, seven trumpets are about to sound. Now, at this point in the book of Revelation, we're in chapter 8, and we're about to look at the seven trumpets. But as I said last week, we've got to take a pause here in our study, because we've been, we've been uh, crashing through this book and, and having a good time seeing all these glimpses of heaven, but, but we're, we can't, we can't uh, delay this bit of our, of our series any longer. We have to stop and take a look and see what are the four end times views because um, whether you know whether you have an articulated this is my end times view or not there you have a natural 
bias as you're reading through something like the book of Revelation or the book of Daniel or you see Jesus' teaching or something that Paul writes. You, you have, you have a, a way that you're looking at it and understanding it. And, and it makes sense to you. It's, for whatever, it, it makes sense to you. And, and yet your way of viewing that passage that seems obvious to you might be viewed very differently from the person sitting next to you. And it's not that they're stupider -er -er than you. Uh, It's just that they have a different way of of viewing it. And maybe they don't even know why they're viewing it the way that they're viewing it. Usually, I find people's end times views are shaped by two factors throughout the history of the world. First of all, their end times view is maybe shaped by family, church, environment that they're, they're raised in. But secondly, and, and very influentially, it, uh, end times views are often shaped by the trajectory that Christianity is going in during the lifetime of the person. So, if Christianity is on the increase during the person's lifetime, there tends to be certain views of the end times that, that are being believed. And when it's on the decrease, different views. Now, that should be humbling right off the bat. Because what's true is true, right? What is going to happen is going to happen. The, the, the Bible and how it describes all that's going to take place in the end times, it is accurate. And, and it's, it's humbling to know that how, how, how like, if culture is going this way or if, or if Christianity is going this way or if it's going that way, the way that we read the Bible, it can be dramatically shifted. But the Bible doesn't shift. The Bible's set— and, and yet our understanding. So we find ourselves in a room with people from very different backgrounds, different countries, different, different life experiences. And there's a good chance that the person next to you has some, some different thoughts about this. And so what we're going to do today is we are going to look at the four views of Revelation. And then next week we're going to continue on with, with the trumpets and, and go from there. But what I want to make sure that we go into this this today, uh, this thought with is that uh, I want us to have this great humility. And I keep saying this over and over again in our study. You've got to have great humility when you're looking at the book of Revelation and and believing that our expectations, whatever they are for how things are going to unfold, that that our expectations are probably going to be a bit different than how things actually unfold. Okay, there's, there's what we expect and then there's what is going to be there's probably going to be some difference. And why is that? Well, because there's some mystery here. There's some mystery here. There, there's, there's some, it, 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 there's some um, uh, biblical issues, I think, with every one of the, the views. There's, there's some things that sit better with each view and things that don't quite sit as well. And so, you know, I feel pretty comfortable that you can kind of nudge the person next to you and be like, yeah, your view isn't quite all the way there. You can, you can probably do that and get away with it on this topic. You can nudge me as well. Um, but, but honestly, I didn't see a lot of nudging there. Like, what a, what a polite group. Just give them the look, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, no, okay. Uh, most things, most people, though, have, have views based on just their background and their, their um, influences. A note about sources before we get going. Now, I have lots of sources that I've been go- using for this study today. I just have one. It's a very simple source. It looks like this. This is the source. We are, we are doing a four-view study. The aim of this is to boil it down very simply. Uh, somebody did it for me. I got this like for a fiver at, at some random Christian bookshop in Linden, Washington. It's great. Uh, two pages on, on each thing. And it's called Four Views of the End Times. You can, you can pick it up online. 
that's, that's the cover of it. Uh, one of the things we're going to be doing is we're going to be giving an overview of the four different views, and then we're going to work through a comparative chart. And you can see that also on the screen, the next slide, a comparative chart. Now the answers aren't up there. Now we're going to work through each one of these things uh, from, from this side to this side. Uh, and I know that sometimes you guys take pictures of slides. With this one, just wait till the end. All of them will be up at the very end. And if you're like, I didn't get a good picture, I've got it right here. You can, you can, you can come up and, and uh, snap a picture of this, this afterwards. So, so that's kind of what we're going to do, an overview of each one and then put together that comparative sh chart. Now, the names of the four views, they make me not want to do this study. I, I instantly am not happy with, with the names of these, these views. Hopefully, though, as we go through this study, these crazy big words will, will make at least somewhat sense. If you remember them next week, extra bonus points. The four basic views are called this, unfortunately. Uh, dispensational premillennialism. Yeah. Historical premillennialism. Amillennialism. And postmillennialism. We're, we're beyond six-letter words, so I'm, I'm already over, over my pay grade here. So uh, any, it, does, it makes sense to me that with, with names that big, you, there is going to be conflict and fighting about end times views. You can't, you can't name something that horribly and not have conflict. Anyways, so before we dive into the first one, though, I want to I make sure that we are all starting with at least a basic understanding of four words, four concepts when it comes to the end times. And they're, they're these. Um, the Great Tribulation. When we're talking about the Great Tribulation in the Bible, there are, there's lots of chat about tribulations, trouble, times of persecution of, of the church. But in some of the end times books, there's this indication that there is a great, a particular great persecution coming. Great meaning not great, uh, meaning uh, ouch. So a, a, a great persecution coming, a great tribu tribulation, uh, potentially a seven-year period of time where the people of Jesus come to suffer most severely from the Antichrist. The Antichrist, uh, again, the ultimate one. There are many. Uh, secondly, the millennium. Uh, you can tell that's kind of a big deal with all these titles. The millennium is the thousand-year reign of Jesus as described in Revelation 20. Rapture. That's when Jesus returns for his people and we meet him in the air. It's when we go up, uh, and that's described in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And then there's the second coming of Jesus, the bodily return of Jesus uh, to earth to reign as king. And several views combine those two events. We go up and we come down with Jesus, or some of them separate them, just depending on the view. But those are four different things that I want to just make sure are in your mind. It's just basic definitions here. Hopefully, this will become clear, and, and we'll go through this together. So we're going to start today with a view that I doubt many of you hold, although maybe, maybe, maybe it's out there. It's called post-millennialism. Post-millennialism. And here's kind of a picture of, of how, of how post-millennialism works. Again, yeah, Brian, nice drawing. Nope, it's right from here. Uh, did not come up with this. Although I did Photoshop the extra text out of it, so uh, I'll take some credit, I guess, you know, for a lot of work there. Anyways, so uh, post-millennialism. In this view... Jesus is going to return after the millennium. I know, post-millennial. I see how I did that? Yeah, post-millennial, right? So in this view, the millennium represents a long period of time where through the preaching of the gospel, through the preaching of the gospel, most of the world is, is going to come to believe in Jesus. 
during this time, Satan's going to have no power, and the evil regimes of the earth are going to collapse. There's a period of great tribulation that may occur beforehand, but basically, the preaching of the gospel is going to go out into all the nations, and, and most people are going to turn to Jesus and be saved. That's post-millennialism. Uh, so in this view, typically if you hold this view, you have, you believe that the tribulation is in the past. You typically believe that it took place in the first century in, in the Jewish-Roman war uh, with the persecution of the, of the Jews in, in the first century. Or you think of it as just a spiritual tribulation, like an ongoing spiritual conflict between good and evil that's gone on through the ages. But, but the idea of it, it basically being in the past, and we are currently then in the millennium. Uh, in in post-millennialism, uh, Christ is not going to be physically present on the earth. Uh, he is reigning via his spirit. Okay, that's kind of a, a general overview. Oh, the sun, the sun is invading. It says millennium there, where the sun is. That makes sense, right? <laughs> millennium, okay, great. So uh, when did this view begin? Uh, this view began somewhere in the middle 300s, 400s. Um, people claim it's Augustine or Augustine or however you want to pronounce his name. Um, also Athanasius. If you don't know who Athanasius is, he's had a big impact on your life. Uh, he is the one that fought for and was able to articulate what the Trinity is and, and that Jesus is uh, is part of the Godhead. So, so Athanasius gets credit for that. He, he fought for that in his day. So he's a big deal. Um, now, why they're thought of as having this view is because some of their writings, but also think about what's going on in their generation. Uh, previously, uh, the church was under incredible persecution for the first couple hundred years, right? It was being stomped out and, 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 and just really harped on. And then Constantine became emperor. And when he then, when he became emperor, then he, from his time on, uh, all of a sudden, these bishops, these Christian bishops, are getting huge amount of spiritual and more, more in more reality, uh, political influence over vast regions. And, and you have the beginning of what is ultimately called the Holy Roman Empire, where, where, where the, you know, uh, Augustine, uh, or, or Augustine and Athanasius, they, they are, they're big deal political figures in, in their times. Um, and so, so you, you can see how they would have this view that, okay, we've, we've come through the persecution, and now God's people are in, are in huge levels of authority and, and, and power, and, the, and, and so now the gospel is spreading, and, and, it's, and it's all sunshines and rainbows, right? Like, it's going good. So that's kind of the general view with, with, uh, in their generation. Now, that view lasted for a while. And then it kind of died down for a little bit. And then in the 1800s, it picked up again. And what was going on in the 1800s was the, the great uh, missionary uh, movement, where the gospel was, was going out again. I don't know if you know this, but in, in, for like 1,000, 1,500 years, there weren't missionaries much. They, they didn't, they, it wasn't a big deal. In fact, when, when the Christians would look at the Great Commission, you know, go into all the— Nations and baptizing them in the name of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. When, when, they, when, they, when they looked at that, they thought that that was just for Peter, James, and John and for the Twelve. 
Like that was Jesus talking to them. It wasn't applying to the rest of the church. And it wasn't until somewhere around uh, end of the 1700s, into the 1800s, where it was like, oh, this is, this is our call, and we're to bring the gospel to all the nations. And so that was happening, and you would hear of, of tribes and, and, and nations coming to Jesus that had never heard the gospel before, and there was this great expectation that now the gospel is being preached. This is the millennium. Satan is being bound, and, 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 and happy days. Well... That lasted until the early until the early 1900s, and you had a world war, and you had an de- economic depression, and then you had another world war, and then you had the 60s, and and the the, the view basically kind of collapsed. It's like no, this doesn't seem like Satan's bound. This doesn't seem like the millennia reign of Jesus going on. So that kind of, it's not really a commonly held view. Um, at, to our chart, uh, so as far as our chart goes, um, the basic answers to these comparative questions are, uh, will Jesus return physically? Yes, after the millennium. When will Jesus return? After the millennium. Does the rapture and second coming of Christ occur at the same time? Yes. Will there be great tribulation? A great tribulation? Tribulation is either a first century Jewish-Roman war or the ongoing conflict between good and evil prior to the millennium. Will Christians suffer during the tribulation? Yes, Christians are called to share the gospel, and tribulation will occur when the gospel is opposed. Will there be a literal 1,000-year millennium? No. The millennium refers to a period of peace where the gospel reaches, when the gospel reaches all people. Who is saved? Christians only. Is the modern state of Israel relevant to the prophecies of Revelation? No. Um, again, all the eras where this view has been held, there has been no modern state of Israel and not even on the horizon. Uh, when was this view most held? May have been popular in the 300s, less popular today. Okay, so that's the post-millennial view in, in brief, where Jesus comes back post uh, the millennium, right? Thousand-year reign of Christ. Okay. Uh, I guess the main feature is, in this view, Christ is now reigning, and Satan is now bound. Hard to believe in our generation, but there you go. The next view is called Amillennialism. Amillennialism, there's a picture that I photoshopped myself, meaning I did very little to it. I took the page number off. Uh, Amillennialism. Oh, wow. That's not very helpful, sunshine. Um, We never have this problem. (laughs) We have never said, welcome to Glasgow, everybody. Uh, Amillennialism means the, uh, okay, technically means no millennium, but that's not exactly what it's meant by, by this view. It means that basically everything's spiritual. Everything spiritual is spiritualized. Amillennials will spiritualize all that we're looking at as we go through the book of Revelation. In this view, yeah, you're living in the millennium, baby. This is it, right? Uh, and the tribulation. Uh, you're living in both right now. And the millennial reign of Jesus is happening in the hearts of all believers. Christ has triumphed over Satan on the cross and his resurrection, and Satan is now restrained and bound because of that. Now, even though Satan is bound, Christians will always be persecuted uh, until Jesus returns. And so anyways, all that we're reading as we go through the Revelation, uh, the book of Revelation, is it's spiritual happening now. Like this is just revealing kind of what is, what is, uh, and what's been happening for the last 2,000 years. How long has this view been popular? Well, again, Augustine gets credit for this one as well. I think he gets credit for all of them. Uh, he gets credit for this view. And, and again, it's, this one, though, has been popular pretty much from, like, the 500s on. 
Like, uh, there are so many people right now in their 20s and 30s who hold on to this view of, of Revelation. It's been a big, uh, big view of, of um, say, like the Catholic Church and, and, and throughout the centuries. This has been one of the main views um, of all time that, that has been, been held. As far as this chart and, 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 you know, the comparative thing goes, will Jesus physically return on earth? Yes. When will Jesus return? Anytime. It's not important. It's important to me. Uh, but does the rapture and the second coming of Christ occur at the same time? Yes. Will there be a great tribulation? The tribulation occurs anytime Christians are persecuted or wars and disasters occur. Will Christians suffer during the tribulation? Yes, Christians will suffer and endure persecution until Jesus returns. Persecution will increase in the end. Will there be a literal thousand-year millennium? No. The millennium refers to the reign of Christ in the hearts of his believers. Who is saved? Christians only. Is the modern state of Israel relevant to the prophecies in Revelation? No. When was this view most held? Popularized in 400, continues to be accepted to this day. Okay, so that's, that's kind of the brief version of the amillennial view. I'm sure some of you were raised with this view, and some of you may, may hold this view. Basically, it's, it's spiritualizing of the book. My thoughts on these first two views, uh, which are not all that important, by the way, uh, my, my thoughts. Um, if this is the millennial reign of Jesus, and if this is Satan-bound, I'm a little disappointed. I'm a little disappointed, especially by the time where we've come through so far in our study of Revelation. When we saw how incredible Jesus was, and when we saw him working among the church, his holiness, his might, his justice. When we saw this, these scenes of the worship of, of heaven, and, 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 and just how worthy he is. When we saw the power as the lamb is breaking the scrolls. If this is the millennial, I would I'd be dis disappointed. Could be, but I would be disappointed. The next view, now I've been disappointed before, so that's, that's okay. That's okay. I'm, <laughs> it's okay. The next view is called historical premillennialism. Historical premillennialism. And if I had to pick one of the four views, I'd probably pick this one. I didn't know this was my view until I started reading this, which was very helpful. Uh, but it, it, it captures a, a lot of my basic presuppositions. But anyways, here's the view. Basic historical premillennialism, premillennialism I can't believe I'm stumbling over these words. Wow. Is the belief that Christians will remain on earth during the Great Tribulation, you know, the beast, the Antichrist, all that evil stuff, and that the Tribulation will purify the churches and, and rooting out false believers. Then after the Tribulation, Jesus will return and begin his thousand-year reign as king on the earth, on the earth, in, in a different way. In a special way The rapture and the second coming of Jesus Take place at the same time Ushering in the millennial reign of Jesus In this view The thousand year reign of Jesus Is a future event It's not currently happening This is not it uh, And the church Including Messianic Jews uh, Is what's being referred to in Revelation As Israel Or as, uh, the, church, as the Jews This is by far 
the oldest view of the end times by hundreds of years. This is, this is the, the first view. Uh, from basically uh, John's disciples onwards, it was the only view at the very beginning, the first couple hundred years. John's disciple, Papias, born in 60 AD, he, he has this view. Um, all the early guys, Justin Martyr has this, about 100, born 100 AD, Arrhenius, you, you know all these, no, we don't know all these guys, but uh, if I just throw out names, you're like, oh, then that makes it real. Uh, 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 born in 135 AD. So, so all these guys have, have this view, but I don't know how much that matters necessarily. Um, John, did John have this view? The, the apostle who, who gets this, who sees this? Uh, well, I don't know, first of all, but, but you know what a dream's like, right? Or, or a vision's like, right? Where it's one thing to get a dream, but it's another to understand all that it means. And you see people like in Daniel, like Daniel, in the book of Daniel, how he has these like visions and stuff, and, and he doesn't understand it all or, or how it all fits together. So, you know, I, even though it's an old view, I, I don't want to just, I don't want to overplay that. Well, old is best, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, anyways, so old, uh, oldest view by a couple hundred years. Looking at the chart, how does it compare to the other ones? Will Jesus return physically? Yes. Will, when will Jesus return after the tribulation before the millennium? Does the rapture and second coming of Christ occur at the same time? Yes. Will there be a great tribulation? Yes. Will Christians suffer during the tribulation? Yes. Will go through uh, the tribulation and endure suffering and persecution for the cause of Christ? Will there be a literal thousand-year millennium? Yes. After the tribulation, Christ will return and reign for a thousand years. Who is saved? Christians only. Is the modern state of Israel relevant to the prophecies of Revelation? No. When was this view most held? Earliest view of the end times emerging at the end of the first century, and it's been held all the way to today. Okay, so that's the historical premillennial view. I lean this way, but there's issues with this view. I don't like how the rapture is addressed in this view. Like when I read the different passages about the rapture, I'm like, I don't know how well that syncs with, with this view. And so I, I hold it open-handedly, and, and I hope that you're holding your, your views open-handedly as well. The, the thing is, is that, that if it was so clear, and all these views were so clear, there would probably be just like basically one clear view uh, but, but there isn't. It's, it's difficult. There's mystery here. So this is my expectation, but I hold it open-handedly. Finally, finally we come to the last one, and this is the view that I was raised with, and this is the one that my seminary taught, and whenever I meet someone who has the end times figured out, like, I, I they just know this is how it's going to go. This is the view that they hold. There's a lot of Bible in this view. There's a lot of Daniel and putting it all together. It's, 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 if you ask them, it's airtight. And, and they, they basically, uh, people with this view, the people that I've met, now I know that this isn't true, the people that I met in like seminary, to them there was two kinds of people. People who held this view, which is called dispensational premillennialism, and those who just haven't heard it explained well enough yet. Uh, that's, that's, that tends to be the view. In fact, I, 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 I was at a job interview, um, not recently. I had a job interview when I was like 20, and uh, went to this job interview, and, and one of the guys there was new into seminary, and he was on the interview committee, and, and he, he was uh, in this class uh, on end times, and so super charged up and, and, and knew all the answers, because, you know, he was two months into this. And, and so very, very excited about that. And, and he says to me at the interview, and I, I instantly got an idea of what this guy's view was of the end times, because he was super charged up about it. And, and he said, what is your view on the end times? And I'm like, oh no, 
how do I, how do I dodge this one? Because we're not on the same page, right, with, with this, this, this view. And so I, I, I pulled out, if you've been around here longer, I have a secret answer to, to all pastoral questions that I use. And, and this is one of those moments that it came in so handy. I'm in this interview. What's your view of the end times? And I said, I said, hmm, you've been thinking about this for a while. What do you think? Oh, man. He never stopped talking, and I got the job. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're so confident. Like, I'll just tell you my view, and then you'll believe it. Okay, anyways, that, is that fair? No, it's not fair. Does it mean? I don't think so. But this is the, this is the view of, of really good-hearted people and punks. Okay, so, uh, no, a, a lot of people, most of the people in my background have this view. So I, I understand it pretty well. In this view, there is a difference between the rapture and there of the return of Jesus. And, and I like that about, about this view. Um, you can see, yes, the sunshine has moved. Okay, so the up arrows are the rapture, and this double arrow thing is the return of Jesus. Um, now, there's two up arrows, uh, because many people who hold this view would hold that the rapture takes place at the beginning of the tribulation, there are some who take place, say that it takes place in the middle of the tribulation, right before it gets bad. But, but that's, that's um, part of the view there. So we're in the church age, and then the church gets raptured, and then during that seven-year period of time, uh, Jewish people are coming to faith in Jesus, uh, mess, uh, messianic, becoming Messianic Jews, and about 144,000 of them. And then Jesus returns with his church, which he has raptured seven years earlier, and they return, and then they... There's the, the, um, the dealing with all the beasts and false prophets. No, and yeah, and, but ultimately the Antichrist and going into the millennial kingdom. So that's, that's, kind, of, that's kind of the view in a nutshell. Um, this is a very new view. This is very new. doesn't make it wrong, but it's very new. It's only about 150 years old. It was, it was came up with by the Plymouth Brethren in about the mid-1800s, about 1850 or so. And so, uh, but many end times movies and, and books are, are based on this idea, this, this viewpoint. Um, I know that um, looking kind of at our age group here, probably none of you has ever heard of the Left Behind series. Uh, or even maybe Nicolas Cage is an actor. Uh, he, uh, he did a, a, a blockbuster smash flop of a movie uh, called Left Behind, and there we go. So, uh, based on this view. So, comparative views, uh, how this compares with the other ones, uh, and this is the final one, so if you're going to take a picture, here it is. Uh, will Jesus return physically? Yes. Will Jesus, re will Jesus, when will Jesus return? After a seven-year tribulation before the millennium. Does the rapture and the second coming of Christ occur at the same time? No. There are events separated by either seven years, pre-tribulation rapture, or three and a half years, mid-tribulation rapture. Will there be a great tribulation? Yes. Will Christians suffer during the tribulation? Christians are either raptured before the tribulation or three and a half years into the tribulation, but basically the answer is no, they won't be here to suffer. Will there be a literal thousand-year millennium? Yes, after the tribulation. Christ will return and reign for a thousand years. Who is saved? Christians only. Is the modern state of Israel relevant to the prophecies in Revelation? Yes, which is, well, you can see on the chart it's different. Uh, what, when it, was this view most held? became popular around 1860, has increased in popularity. Okay, so that's the dispensational premillennial view. I like it a lot uh, because there's a lot of Bible there. In fact, actually, if I was picking a view, this is the one I would want to pick. 
uh, wait, the great tribulation is coming, and I'm not going to be in the great tribulation. Uh, if, if, if we could pick views, I would say pick this one. Uh, sadly, that's not how it works. Uh, it's going to be what it's going to be. But, you know, I have some friends, many of my friends who hold this view, and, and they just look at me like, wait, you think you're going to go through the tribulation? And they, they shake their head, and, and, and I'll be like, uh, you think you're going to live through the tribulation, Brian? No. I think I'm going to die like the first week. I, I, think, I think I'm going to be put to death. I mean, I'm a pastor. I'm a missionary. I, I don't stand a chance. They're, 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 you know, I'm, I'm a gunner. But, but you know, the, in theory, yeah, the, the idea of living through tri- tribulation, and, and, and yet I'd say to them, but I hope you're right. And when we're, if you're right and we're like going up into heaven there, after I'm like, woohoo, you know, because you, you got to strike a rapture pose, I guess. Uh, and you're going up into heaven, and, and I'll be like, you were right. Yes, I'm so happy that you were right. This is this is the best news ever. Yeah, we don't have to suffer through the tribulation. Woo, I'm so happy. So, um, uh, again, th- this isn't about picking our views. And today is actually, I was hoping that you would be able to identify where your natural starting point has been. Has been. It doesn't necessarily mean that's what's going to happen or, or whatever, but maybe as you've read through the Bibles or bits of pieces and you've read about end time stuff what has your presuppositions been or, or your 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 natural starting points all that matters though isn't what we believe about the end time stuff it's about what actually happens and so again we got to hold this loosely because how the new testament uh fulfills the old testament um the people didn't have that all figured out even though they had it clearly written down in the old testament and I think with that same humility, we look at th- these, these, these passages in Revelation. I mean, they're, they're so, I, wanna, I wanted to say artsy, but that's not, there's so much image there. There's so much, um, uh, the, the, it's, it's vibrant, but it's not necessarily precise feeling all the time. It's very symbolic. And so with, with great humility, we got to understand it's going to be right. And, and we're going we're gonna to look back and we're like, oh, of course, that, it, that hits everything exactly right. But, uh, but maybe our views going into it aren't, aren't going to be right. Uh, see, the thing is, um, and, I, and I think this is really important for us, is heaven is going to be filled with people holding all of these views. Um, that, that, that people are, are in heaven who, who have been post-millennials and all-millennials and, and historical dispensationals, I hope. And, and no, dispensational, premillennial. Ah, oh, I'm getting confused in, in my own head. That's, that's what this study is going on. But the thing is, is people, heaven's going to be filled with these, with, with all people of all end times views. And, and what, what we need to know is that Jesus wins. Jesus wins and, and that he's going to make all things new. And he's going to wipe every tear from our eye. The justice of God is coming and things are going to be made right. Things are going to be made right. He's going to reward those who love him. He is going to, he's going to cherish those who have, who have held fast and endured in, in difficult days. And, and I, I want to teach this stuff today because as you can see, we're talking about some events uh, as, as we continue on in the book of Revelation. And I want you to know that maybe when the things happen, the person next to you might have a different thought about when things are going to happen or how it's exactly going to happen. Somebody might have a very different thought sitting next to you. Maybe I'll say something and you'll be like, eh, I don't think so. Uh, 
or maybe you're at a Bible group, your Bible group, and you're like, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know about that. I want to remind us, though, that we're a part of Jesus' family here. And all over the world, all through the ages, there's been lots of different views. And, and I want us to be a church that honors and respects uh, these different views, the people that hold these different views, and, and also carry that humility. At the end of the day, this book was written not to divide the church into squabbling, fighting, end times views peoples. This was to unite people under the hope that Jesus is going to return and make it all right. He's going to fix what's broken, and he's going to bring together a glorious future to everyone who believes. So we're supposed to come together in hope. Now, again, I don't know how this is going to play out, but I know when Revelation 20 comes along, and the books are opened at the end of the age, and we stand before God, and then that other book is opened, the Lamb's Book of Life, what, in Lamb's Book of Life isn't a list of what your end times view was or your theology. It's, it's your name. And, and is your name in that book? When, when, when we look at the book of the deeds, we have no hope. But when that other book, the book of life, is opened, it's either your name or not your name. And, and I urge you, if you don't know, if your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life, uh, if you don't know for certain that you're going to be in eternity with Jesus, this stuff is real. Jesus is returning. Salvation, eternal life, it's true. And it's all going to be coming together. And I want you ready when you stand before God at the end of the age. And I, wanna, I want your name in that book. And how do you do that? You give your life to Jesus. You believe in him and you're saved. I'll give you an opportunity to do that. But before I give you an opportunity to do that, I'm going to throw, throw the challenge on the screen. And the challenge is Google. I don't know if you've heard this. This is kind of a new thing. Uh, I want you to Google your view on the end times and read a little bit more about it. Like if one of those views, like, okay, I want to know a little bit more about it. Um, if you want to be super cool, nobody wants to be super cool. But if you want to be super cool, kind of view, what are some biblical issues with my view? Not my view. <laughs> your view. Uh, your view. Like, well, what, are, what are some biblical issues? And just kind of just learn and, and let that humility um, grow.